text for the message this morning is 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 12 to 20. Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But, there, but if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, and not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. And Paul continues to explain how that brings blessings to all of us. And the contrast continues in verses 29 to 34. Beloved Church of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, Last week on Easter Sunday, the church commemorated that many centuries ago, in a land far, far away, a man who had been crucified on a cross between two criminals and buried in a tomb nearby, rose from the dead. Today, as we and our neighbors are toting around our smartphones and working. A lot of young people are we're studying. Some are in exams right now in university, preparing for exams and making food every day and buying products on the internet. It seems pretty weird to be thinking about an empty cave or, or a tomb far, far away makes us wonder, why is it important for us today that some guy rose from the dead? And what if he hadn't been raised from the dead? Would that affect anything that we're doing? Would it affect our, our modern gods of comfort and economy and, and, and government? You see, a lot of people that we talk to and know and and maybe even some of the, the younger people in our own congregations, they, they can't understand what we're blabbing about when we talk about the real reason of Easter. And being Christian, sometimes this can shake us a little bit. We can even sometimes feel doubt creeping in for our life choices. And a preacher might wonder why anybody should, should listen to him. A Christian might wonder if their whole worldview is, is misguided, might sh have some doubts about sharing his faith. The proofs and the eyewitness accounts of Jesus' resurrection, they're hard to ignore. 
But is his resurrection something that the church really needed to celebrate for, for so many centuries? Paul deals with these questions in the text that we read together today. His conclusion, based on the evidence of many eyewitness reports, in a conversation that he himself had with the risen and ascended Lord Jesus Christ, is very clear. He concludes that Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, and his resurrection is very important for the church today. The importance of that resurrection, Paul makes clear, and we can see when we start asking questions about what would change if Christ had not been raised. Paul's arguments makes us ask the question, would preaching in your faith have any importance if Christ had not been raised from the dead? Can you see how your life would be different if you stopped being a Christian and no longer received any benefits from Christ's resurrection? The Holy Spirit tells us that if Christ has not been raised, then people are correct to pity Christians because our hope in Christ only makes his life more difficult and there is nothing beyond. The only way that the Christian faith can be a blessing for anyone is if Christ conquered death and rose again. And by God's grace, this is the gospel I may preach to you. Although many may doubt and deny it, Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. And as a result, gospel preaching is trustworthy and not in vain. And faith in Christ brings eternal salvation and is not futile. The scriptures make it clear that the preaching of the apostles was simply telling the world about the facts of Christ's person and work. The apostles were not out there sharing a philosophy on life, but they were repeating what they had heard and seen in Jesus' life. After he rose from the dead, Jesus sent out all those who had been with him from his baptism to his ascension so that they might be his witnesses in all the earth. Witnesses testifying to the facts of what they had seen. The Holy Spirit equipped them. And they went out, Acts 1 verse 22, as a summary, as a witness to his resurrection. From 1 Corinthians 15, verses 3 to 8, we learn what they preached. We learn that they preached the gospel, that the promises of Scripture had been fulfilled by Jesus' work, just as he explained to them at the end of Luke 24. And that there were eyewitnesses who can confirm these facts. Preaching today is trustworthy if it continues to repeat the facts of God's work revealed in the scripture, calling everybody to come and enjoy the beauty of God's redemptive work. The Apostle Paul wasn't just making up new stuff out of the blue when he concluded, in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. 
It's no wonder then that Paul was so surprised to find that even in the midst of this preaching, there were some in Corinth who said that dead people don't rise from the dead. There is no resurrection of the dead. This teaching took away the comfort that could be found in the death of those who had died after living in danger because of their faith in the gospel. And you can see that there's a reference to this danger in verses 30, 32. It says, why are we in danger in every hour? And how heart disheartening it was for the rest of the believers to be told that their brothers and sisters had not fallen asleep to rise again, but they had actually been snuffed out like a candle in the wind. They would perish in their graves. But not only was it disheartening, it was completely untrue. The message that stood in exact opposition to the gospel message that was being preached in order to encourage the church to continue to stand firm in their faith even in the midst of suffering, Paul makes it clear that the resurrection of the dead is an essential, fundamental part of the Christian message. Anyone who taught that those who died have perished into nothing were not just denying a small little detail about the afterlife, but they were denying the entire Christian gospel. In our text today, the Holy Spirit carries us through that chain of consequences to show us that the teaching of the resurrection of the dead is connected to everything that we believe about God's work and it affects every part of our life. You can see the reasoning. Whoever denies that it is possible for bodies to be raised from the dead must then also deny that Jesus Christ has been raised from the dead. And whoever denies that Jesus Christ has been raised from the dead must also conclude that those who are preaching this gospel are liars. And that the disciples and the other 500 people who had seen Jesus after his resurrection, they're all a bunch of false witnesses. And whoever called the apostles that Jesus had sent out to preach this message, whoever called them liars... We're also accusing the Son of God of willfully and cruelly trying to deceive the world for what would be the point of giving a false promise of the forgiveness of their sins and eternal life to, to people whose situation could not get any worse under the curse. So Paul wasn't just defending preachers, but he was defending the love of Jesus Christ, evident in the preaching. He was defending the power of the Holy Spirit and the honor of God's name. Denying the content of the apostles' preaching was tantamount to saying that the apostles that Jesus sent out were standing in opposition to God. For they were saying that he did something that he had not done. And we see, brothers and sisters, that the Holy Spirit leaves no doubt that the facts that the apostles preached are as trustworthy as the Father, the Son, 
and the Holy Spirit who did the work and commanded that it be proclaimed to the world. That is how certain you can be of the truth of the preaching that God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. This preaching that is so trustworthy concerning the fact of Christ's resurrection is the basis of the Christian faith. To put it bluntly, as Paul does in our, in our text, if someone could prove that Christ had not been raised from the dead, then everything we see in this church would be meaningless and futile. If Christ had not been raised, if Christ is still dead in the tomb, then that proves that he was not righteous, that he cannot be our substitute, and that we are all still in our sins and under the curse and the wrath of God. And the preachers are making false promises when they tell you that whoever believes in Jesus Christ will be forgiven. If Christ has not been raised from the dead, but, but he has, then Satan would have won. God would have lost. And rather than being his children, we would still be counted as his enemies and the objects of his eternal wrath. And for those of us who have experienced the steadfast love of God, the joy of the forgiveness of our sins, the certainty of eternal life and the comfort that brings. Just the thought of such an existence sends shivers down our spines. Praise God that it is not so. Praise God that Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. We can begin every one of our worship services with a greeting from our risen Lord living Lord. And we thank the Lord that faithful preaching doesn't just announce the existence of some higher power that is out there somewhere. Faithful preaching doesn't just present some moral virtues to counsel you in this life. But preaching repeats the detailed facts of all Christ's work. It holds it out in front of us. The stone had been rolled away to prove that the tomb was empty. The women had seen it. The Roman soldiers had seen it. The disciples had seen it. Jesus then appeared to so many people after he had risen from the dead. There were people alive at the time that Paul was writing this letter to confirm this. That's why it is impossible to prove that Jesus has not been raised from the dead. That is how we can know that the gospel preaching of Christ's death, his burial, and his ascension is trustworthy. How we can share this eyewitness account with confidence. Jesus Christ rose from the dead. And he broke the dominion of sin and death. And he opened the way into a new life with God. And when God raised Christ from the dead... He declared to the world that he had, God had accepted Christ's payment on behalf of everyone who believes in him so that we too may be declared innocent and righteous before the Father 
together with Jesus Christ. And that's the gospel we preach. Preaching that declares the forgiveness of sins in Jesus Christ is trustworthy because Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. Paul says this is what the church preaches and this is what Christians believed. And our faith is not futile. Faith in Christ brings eternal salvation. So the preaching Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. It goes out from our church, from the pulpit, and through the live stream to homes all around. It goes to young people, to old people. Now can you imagine what that message, what that preaching of those facts must sound like to someone who has never heard the gospel message? Who does not have a lot of time for Christians? Even if you believe that there is some sort of God and perhaps some kind of afterlife, it must seem crazy to see people place all their hope in the resurrection of one man thousands of years ago who seems to have nothing to do with Canadians. For some it is crazy, not because they don't believe that there is a God, they, they are against the idea of submitting to him. They would rather continue in, in wickedness and in wicked lifestyle choices. And because they love that so much, they're often eager to even persecute Christians. And we live in a day and an age when many, many Christians are being persecuted for their faith. The kinder ones who really don't believe in God or that there is a God, they might even feel pity for Christians. Paul mentions that as well. They might feel pity for Christians. They so faithfully take their opiate religion. They chase after their, their fairy tales of crucified criminals rising from the dead. Well, their reactions are exactly what we would expect of someone who does not believe that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. And they look like the reactions of the people in Corinth who said that Christ can only be a help for us in this life. And if you're looking at 1 Corinthians 15 verses 29 to 34, you can see what they would conclude. If Christ is only useful for us in this life, if there is no resurrection, what's the point of preaching? Why put ourselves in danger every day? Why be put in an arena to fight wild beasts rather than deny that Christ is Lord? Why should anyone stop sinning against God's commandments? You see, take away faith in Christ's resurrection... And in no time you will begin to talk like someone who has never gone to a church, saying like we read in verse 32, Since the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. And we see how often we, we start thinking like those who don't believe in the resurrection. We have that kind of attitude to life. 
See if Christ has not been raised. Dedication to him and a godly life, they just seem so futile. And it's very important to understand this perspective when we talk to one another. When we encourage young people in our families, in our congregations, when we talk to our neighbors, there are many unchurched people who are living healthy, active, loving lives with their family and their community. And perhaps some of you, you, you listening via live stream today can, can attest to that. Since many obey God's law even without even knowing it, the Christian life can seem very similar to the life of the unchurched, except perhaps that faith can complicate some things for those Christians and, and make them less comfortable. It might be hard to explain to some people and perhaps some people who are, are listening right now why it is important to believe that a man was raised from the dead many centuries ago. Why is it important to believe the faithful, trustworthy preaching of the gospel? It can be hard to imagine if you think about that comfortable neighbor living a loving life in his community. Maybe that's your life. It can be hard to imagine a reason why someone should be inclined to listen to you and talk about your Christian faith. What comes to your mind when you say, well, we have comfort, we have peace, we have joy, we have, we have love. And that's true. But they will answer, and maybe you're answering to me, only the most desperate people in the world think that they don't have these things. Even when I'm preaching to people who don't yet know Jesus Christ, I know it's only the Holy Spirit himself who can give the desire to believe the gospel. Because when people think their life is going fine, they see very little reason to change. And that can be confusing for us. It can be confusing for young people. What's the difference? What's so different about the Christian life besides maybe the way they, they use their money and their time? Member of the congregation of Emmanuel, why are you a Christian? If you can answer that question, then you can explain to your neighbor why your faith is not futile. Why are we Christians? Why do people who call themselves Christians find it would be valuable for that unchurched neighbor to hear about your Christian faith. If you are a visitor or a neighbor who is not a member of the Emmanuel congregation, do you know why you were invited to participate in this live stream worship service? Well, we could tell you why. There's some very important facts that we know and we want you to know too. The first fact is that many centuries ago, the God who created the world sent his son to take on our human nature so that he could bear the punishment of God against sin when he was crucified on the cross of Golgotha. 
As we saw on Good Friday, it's John 19, verse 30. Because Jesus said, it is finished, all believers can conclude that they have found a way to be freed from the misery and the curse, to escape the punishment of God for their sins. We feel guilt for our sins. We feel shame for the things we have done. But when we heard that gospel, that it is finished, the punishment is done, that we are righteous in Christ, we believed. That's why we're Christians. We think that's valuable for you as an unchurched neighbor because it changes everything, even living a comfortable life. Dear neighbor or visitor, young person living in doubt, we pray, we pray that even in the midst of that comfortable, easy life, you may know of the forgiveness of your sins. We know that you will feel shame and guilt because God is holy. We experience that ourselves. We want you to know that a Christian faith is not futile, that there is a promise of forgiveness of sins in Jesus Christ. That's why we're Christians. The second fact that Christians know is that after a few days in the tomb, Jesus Christ rose from the dead, and he is the first fruits of the harvest. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 20. Paul compares Christ's resurrection to the offering of the first fruits that God commanded in the Old Testament, when the first and the best of the crop or flock was set aside as a symbol of the entire harvest that was dedicated to God as an offering. You can see the connection. Christ is the first fruits, the best, the crop, representing the whole harvest that is given to God. There's a connection between the first fruits and the harvest. And whoever believes in Jesus Christ is a part of that entire harvest, shares in the victory of Jesus Christ. This fact that we preach is a reason for great joy and great comfort for the Christian. God counts everyone who believes in Jesus Christ a part of that harvest, and you know what that does? That assures us of the resurrection of our bodies. Even after we die, we know we will continue to live in the presence of God, in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And that is why we're Christians. We think that's a valuable message for you, dear visitor, dear neighbor. We pray that you too may have that comfort of knowing when you die, when your neighbor, your loved one is dying, where they have to face the possibility of death and the fear that comes with that. We pray that you may know the comfort that in Jesus Christ, there is resurrection to everlasting life and no punishment. And the third fact that Christians know 
Is that that Jesus Christ who finished the work, who rose from the dead, the first fruits of the harvest, he sent out witnesses to tell the world about the facts of this work so that God might work faith in our hearts and we may be saved by Christ and comforted by this good news. The third fact is that God wants you to know this truth. God is gathering together all those who belong to himself. And he does so through the preaching. And we as Christians, we place ourselves under the preaching so that we may be able to understand more and more the unspeakable grace of God towards sinners. And as we do that, we as Christians are willing to give up everything we have to live with God in faithfulness to his commandments, service in his eternal kingdom. If you'd like to, to see more what that means, how committed we are, you can see the parables of our Lord Jesus in Matthew 13, verses 44 to 46. When God works his faith in our hearts, we want to follow Jesus Christ. We want to give up all these things on earth. What you are calling hardships and what you are calling suffering, oh dear neighbor, what you are calling futility, we are calling a happy decision because it's what following God is like. It's true that our faith may bring hardships. When God sanctifies us with, our, with hardships, you could say even the empty church building, the fact that we're meeting in different places, God is, is sanctifying us at this moment with this hardship, calling us to humility and, and to repentance. The Christians who are suffering for their faith and being attacked, it's true it is a hardship because of our faith. But it's not futile. It's not futile because Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. God is drawing us closer to him and giving us more and more of, of this peace and this trust and this reverence for him. Because we're citizens of an eternal kingdom. We could take it with a peaceful heart. And dear neighbor or visitor, if you're listening today, we want to tell you about the peace that we have, even in suffering, because our living Savior is with us through everything. He's using these hardships to draw us near to him, and we are being prepared for that eternal glory with him. Our faith is not futile. It's life-changing. It's wonderful. The peace is real and lasting. Preaching is not in vain, for it tells you the truth about the victory of Jesus Christ over death. The Christian faith is not futile because Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, and Christians can live and die in the comfort of this victory. The gospel we proclaim declares that the man who was raised from the dead in a land far, far away so many centuries ago is the guarantee 
that everyone who believes in him will spend eternity in the presence of God in new creation. I think we can all agree that this is the most relevant news we could hear in 2020. Praise the Lord. Christ indeed has been raised from the dead. Amen.